Hello and welcome to Don't Pee on Your Leg and Other Scientific Misconceptions, where every episode we discuss some scientific misconceptions and we hope that you learn something you didn't already know about the world. I'm here with my co-host Camden, the kegger, Hanslick Burton. <laughs> and joining me as always is my co-host Margaret Carolinus, yellow-capped Hanslick Burton. Welcome, welcome to, to the, the show. show. first segment is where we share something that we're excited about. This is kind of a two-parter. So personally, Cam and I are kind of sharing one this week. We got to go to a very beautiful place in Washington. Um, it is, well, you you tell them, Cameron. Uh, we went to Forks, Washington, mm-hmm. and got to go to the Olympic, a part of the Olympic National Rainforest at the Ho Rainforest. Mm-hmm. The Ho Rainforest, um, as well as Rialto Beach and Ruby Beach and all along the coast there. It was so beautiful. But Kevin's favorite part is that um, Forks is where the, the books Twilight mm-hmm. are set. Yep. That's Kevin. Kevin is a real Jacob. Yeah, I love head. Jacob. I hate Edward. <laughs> love Bella. Love. Name another character. Oh, Miss <laughs> Maisel. I can't do it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Miss Maisel. No, just kidding. Not big fans of Twilight. Or you can be a fan, Twilight. You can. I'm just saying that that's, we I'm, aren't I'm telling a fib. Aha, a goof. A, go- a goof, yes. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed our, our little trip out there. What was your favorite part, Camden? Um, I think I'm always amazed, and this happens every time, but because we live out in the Pacific Northwest, we live by rainforests. Mm-hmm. And often when you tell people we're going, or we tell people we're going to a rainforest, they do not think the Pacific Northwest. They think somewhere warm and Mm -hmm. tropical and you really have to sort of sometimes stop yourself and think, okay, I'm going to try to ignore that 60 degrees Mm -hmm. and every, there's ferns, there's trees, there's moss everywhere. It's yeah. It's so green. It's humid. It's green. It really is a rainforest, Mm -hmm. a temperate Mm -hmm. rainforest. And, um, I think it's really cool. There's just so much to see. Um, yeah, that's great. What about you? I mean, I think just being, in that part of the peninsula, I I had wanted to go to the Ho Rainforest, spelled H-O-H, ever since we moved here mm-hmm. to Seattle. And finally getting to go and see it in person was just gorgeous. And, of course, I love going to the coast and seeing big waves and, and just the, yeah, the landscape was beautiful. Yeah. So go visit the Olympic National Rainforest mm-hmm. on the Olympic Peninsula of Washington, mm-hmm. if you can. Is it called the National Rainforest? Olympic National Park? Is National Park. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, The Ho Rainforest. The Ho Rainforest, park, yep, mm-hmm, yep, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also excited about some other things. Yeah, um, to sort of continue in this the momentum of the movement for Black Lives, we thought we would share some um, big wins this week. Mm-hmm. Um Obviously, these aren't all the wins, but some positive news coming out of some school districts that ended their relationship with police departments. One crucial step in ending the uh, school-to-prison pipelines. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Minneapolis, Seattle, Denver, Portland, and Oakland school districts were some of the biggest um, who 
uh, severed their relationships with those police departments. We were really excited because initially Seattle school board said, okay, we're going to, we're going to cut ties for a year. We're going to pause it. We're going to pause it. And then recently they said, actually, nope, nope. A couple days ago. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so exciting. Um, what else are we excited about, Cameron? Um, oh, last, uh, Friday or I can do the math right. I think Friday. Saturday. Anyway, Juneteenth, um, whenever the 19th was. Friday. Uh, Friday was Juneteenth. Celebrations across uh, the country um, for um, that celebration. It, it's just like, it was nice to see a lot of like positive um, like marches and uh, celebrations and memorials and vigils um, come out and just a reminder and like, like rejuvenation of this movement. And um, obviously there's still a lot of work to be done. This is not the end. Right. Um, certainly not even anywhere close. Um, just still hasn't been served for Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. um, for Elijah McClain, for so many others. Uh, we have to keep working. And um, there's so many, again, I think, did I talk about this last time? I don't know. Just please don't ask the people of color in your lives for resources because Google exists and there are so many amazing, um, resources out there. I just went to a really great webinar this morning Mm. about, um, race, social justice and interpretation. And in my field, interpretation means like, um, presenting information in an informal setting to the public. So it was really, it touches and it should touch this movement should touch every single aspect of our lives because the reverse is true too. Like the violence and the prejudice and all of those awful, awful things that are just ingrained in our country, in our society, they're everywhere. So the work that we do has to be everywhere too. There's no profession that's exempt from it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Um, unfortunately. And speaking of ways to, yeah, we will get to some of those resources later when we talk about things that we're consuming. Um, But for now, let's head into the main segment of the show, which, of course, are the misconceptions. Every week, we each bring a new scientific misconception to share, explain, and discuss. Um, Most of the time, Camden doesn't know what my misconception is going to be. I don't know what his is. So that's to make it feel like more of a discussion where we get to learn along with our listeners. And, uh, yeah, we're going to hope that we all learn something. So we're going to flip a coin air quotes, to see who goes first. I have um, this postcard from Forks. It's not very aerodynamic. Wait. Yeah, I don't think that's good. Margaret, just <laughs> for everyone listening, threw a postcard <laughs> into the air hoping that no. law of physics, uh, we would become a vacuum and it would just start flipping magically. Do you want to do the Timbers um, coaster again? Um, flipping local Kansas City band, the Timbers. Mm-hmm. Um, coaster. Flip it in the air. There's one side with record and then no record. Yep. Are you going to call it? In the air. What are you going to call record or no record? In the air. Oh, I know, but I'm just saying those are the words you're going to use. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like, stop maybe trying to call Ready? it. Break okay. the spell. No record. Oh, you're Heck right. Heck yeah. Gosh, and I can't even see it. Um, I waited it before. I know. And I was really Which scared. Crazy, you were going to pick know. one yeah. of many other things to flip. Yeah. But it was that. All right. Um, so you get to go first. For the millionth time. Here we <laughs> Seriously, go. Seriously, I would like to see 
the stats on how many times you get to go first. If anyone's been binging all 36, <laughs> now 37 episodes of this show, please let me know let who's gone know. first. Yep. Um, need a breakdown of that. All right. Margaret. Yes. What cells in your body contain the DNA for eye color? Oh, boy. What cells mm-hmm. in my body contain the DNA for eye color? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Why don't you tell me? No. <laughs> All right. I'll ask a different question. If I took a cell from your stomach mm-hmm. and a cell from your brain cell. A cell from my brain cell? Uh, a cell from your brain. <laughs> okay. How much of their DNA would be similar or different? Oh, gosh. General percentages is fine. Um, 50-50. Half of their DNA would be the same. Uh-huh. Half would be different. Mm-hmm. So another way to say is like, if I ask how many cells in your body contain the DNA fry color, it's not 0%. Right. And it's not 100%. Uh-huh. Welcome. Thank you. To Don't Pee on Your Leg and other scientific misconceptions. <laughs> oh, you got goofed. You got misconceived. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that's the word. No. Um... Citations today include uh, a classic favorite for you science educators out there, assessment.aaas.org. AAAS is the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to search and see if I was right. Um, from learn.genetics.utah.edu. And through my degrees from Mississippi State University, University of Kansas. Oh, so we're going general yeah, we're, knowledge. We are going general you. knowledge. We're okay. going some basic biology. All right. Talking about DNA in our cells. How much of your DNA is the same in every single cell? Can I change my answer? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's like like 99% is the same. Ah. Margaret. Oh. Margaret. Uh Uh-huh. Where does our DNA come from? Um, Don't say stork. I was going to say wishing upon a star like an animal crossing. That's not how DNA works in Animal Crossing either. I don't think they discuss DNA in Animal Crossing. I don't think Crossing. anyone has ever birthed. They just are. They are. Um, Sorry. <laughs> where do we get? Where do you get your DNA from? My parents. What? How much from who? Fifty-fifty, baby. Yep. Fifty-fifty. Fifty-fifty. 50-50 equals baby. Baby. Yep. You write that down. <laughs> put on your master's thesis for biology. You get an A. That's how thesis works, right? You mm-hmm. get an A. Mm-hmm. Um, so DNA comes from your parents, 50, 50, uh, they donate that DNA to you in chromosomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you get 23 pairs. So you get, or you have 46 total chromosomes, 23 from mom, 23 from dad. Mm-hmm. Um, this DNA initially comes from a sperm from a dad mm-hmm. and then a, did it sound like a mouse just went no, by here? No, no, it's the... The um, scratchy tree branch against the window Okay, what I looked at. Sorry. I definitely just thought a mouse was like flying around <laughs> this room. Anyway, so you have 20, an egg and you, you get half the DNA from sperm, half the DNA from an egg. Mm-hmm. You put those together and they form one cell, mm-hmm. right? A zygote. A zygote. Very good. Yes, okay. Now I'm going to stop us here. We all start as one cell, mm-hmm. a zygote. Mm-hmm. What hap- how do we then become who we are today? We 
We get more and more cells. Yes. Those cells divide. Re- divide. And replicate. When they divide, do they lose any of their DNA? Nope. No. That would be potentially very bad yeah. if we start with 100% of our DNA and every time <laughs> we lose a little bit more every time we divide. Mm-hmm. So when you turn one cell into two, they divide. Those cells are copies of each other. Mm-hmm. And then those divide into four and then into eight. And then I'm not going to do more math. Sure. Each of those have the same copy of DNA. That's They are copies of each other. So I'm going to fast forward all the way to the trillions of cells that I grew up. I am myself. Trillions of cells. Or am I? <laughs> trillions of cells am I. They are all copies from that little zygote. So huh. I'm okay. going to go. I mean, yeah, I, I haven't thought about this particular aspect of growth in a while. So when you had that one zygote, mm-hmm. how many of the cells contain the DNA for eye color? All of them. All of them, meaning that one cell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, all of my cells, how many of them contain the DNA for eye color? All of them. All of them. <sighs> so there's our misconception. Why then do all of my cells have this DNA for eye color? But how come all my cells don't got green eyes? <laughs> Wild thought, huh? They're, is it something to do with like the genes are like turned on and off? Ah, very good. So we have a thing called the turning on and off of genes yes. or our DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is called gene regulation. To give us some context, what is the difference between DNA and a gene? A gene is just a part of the DNA that codes for a specific protein. Okay. So you can think of your DNA, you can say that every day. You think of it all the time. All the time. And each there's tiny little chunks of it that are genes. Mm -hmm. And they all code for different things. Of course that is spread out across your twenty three pairs of chromosomes. Um, you get a little gene for eye color from mom, a little gene for eye color from dad. In fact I think there are multiple genes for eye color, there's not just one. Dominant. Recessive. There's dominant, there's recessive ones, there's multiple. Um, so in gene regulation, we turn them on and off. Uh, your DNA is very, is long. Mm-hmm. It's really long. And so in order for it to fit inside your cells, well, you have to squish it up. You have to tightly pack it. Shrinky dink it. You have to shrinky dink it. Yeah, you put it <laughs> in an oven, it shrinks up. And so when we tightly pack our DNA... Our DNA isn't very accessible. And so in order to copy the pieces of the DNA we want or to turn on pieces of the DNA we want, we have to unpack little pieces of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so unpacking DNA is a way that we can turn on some genes. Uh, We can also... DNA does not immediately give us our eye color. It it gets copied to something called RNA, Mm -hmm. which then gets translated into a different sort of language of protein. Mm-hmm. Protein then is what gives us the eye color we have. Okay. So we go from DNA to RNA to a to protein. protein. And the protein is what gives us our trait, our skin color, our eye color, our blood cell type, whatever that trait is. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of places we can turn on and off a gene. The first part is we can mess with the DNA, stop it from getting opened up and like turned into RNA. We could take the RNA and stop it from being turned into protein. 
when you say like we could stop it, like this, our, our, we we are doing that. Is yes. what you're saying? Like our cells have evolved multiple ways to turn on and off certain traits, mm-hmm. certain proteins from being completely made. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that happens by destroying the protein after it gets made, so it doesn't get like turned into a trait. Some of it is we stop or destroy the RNA or stop it from becoming protein, or we back up entirely and stop the DNA from getting copied to RNA. Okay. There's lots of paths along the way we can... Steps that you can, like, alter. Or that are being altered again, like... You can... I'll give you an analogy. Please. You have... Oh, I forget the exact number. Kevin's looking off. Thousands... (laughs) (laughs) Thousands of genes in your body. Uh I think 23,000. This is going way back. Again, I only have three citations. <laughs> um, one of which is just my own memory. <laughs> You're tw- 23,000 genes, I think. Maybe I'll look this up in a second. Imagine you have 23,000 light switches. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And one to control one house. That's your too house, many. Your house is a cell. Okay. Uh-huh. Every house has all 23,000 light switches. But... Maybe for one part of your house, or like for one house, you only want to turn on some of those light switches, some mm-hmm. of those genes. There are many ways to do that. I could lock the door from the house so you can't even get in to oh, affect okay. the switch. All right, all right. I could slap your fingers I so you don't wouldn't. turn them on. Yeah. <laughs> I could put a glass case over the switches so mm-hmm. you can't touch it, right? There's lots of steps along the way to stop you from turning on a switch. Mm-hmm. And that's like how deep I'll go with this. We're not going to take a master's class in gene regulation but there's lots of ways to turn to keep your dna from being turned on and off but what you're saying is each cell has the potential to Mm -hmm. turn those genes into rna and then into a protein but they just they are turned off somewhere along the way they're turned off but but i know that sometimes they don't get turned off correctly you must be reading my notes go ahead margaret no i'm not i just know that um Sometimes genes are not turned off, and so that's when you get, like, teratoma, right? Right. Some cells will do weird things, Mm -hmm. like grow some hair or grow a little tooth. A little tooth. Um, Well, you can Google that image, dear listener, if you want to. Yeah, on your own. But I would not. Um, So sometimes cells... Little genes get turned on that weren't meant to. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's very bad. Often that kind of little those little things happen a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so some often and of course our cells, our human bodies, mm-hmm. the human species has evolved for so long to try to like whenever these things happen to try to take care of them. Mm-hmm. Lots of times, if a cell does something weird like that, our body is a way of just destroying that cell. Yeah. Um, so this stuff might happen. And we never know. But and. I, I I could be just barking up the completely wrong tree, though, because other things can happen when genes aren't, are either turned on when they're not supposed to be or turned off when they're not supposed to be. Like, does cancer occur because of that? Because I'm just thinking of, like, growth yep. that's triggered that shouldn't yep. happen, like a that, tumor of some kind. That can be from certain uh, genes not being turned on or regulated in the right way. Okay. Um, it also leads to other diseases, cancer being one, but, like, hemophilia, Mm. um, certain genes for platelets aren't being, allowing your blood to clot, aren't being turned on, uh, some forms of blindness, I mean, diseases, right? Yeah. Are all caused by some genes not 
being turned on or regulated in the right way. Mm-hmm. What's great, though, is modern science has found ways that we are trying to turn these genes on or off to, like, fix the issue that nature didn't quite fix, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is called gene therapy. Mm-hmm. That word is probably... Most people have heard it, unsure what it is. It's a way for us to sort of artificially, I mean, use the nature inside of us, Mm -hmm. but try to like fix what happened. And that can be like, for example, one, there's many forms of cystic fibrosis. One form has, we found a way to like correct the gene um, that allows folks who had it to not have it. Mm -hmm. Um, Some folks have been used gene therapy to cure um, hemophilia. And it's just the beginning. This is a field that is just like constantly exploding, constantly finding new ways um, to regulate genes to make them sort of at their correct uh, act correctly. I have my hand up. Yep, Miss Hansik Burton, Mrs. Hansik Burton. Thank you. Um, here's my question. Go for it. And this may be naive, but this is a vulnerable place on this podcast. You've got the all these cells with all this. DNA in them, how do you control all of those cells with all of their DNA? Like, if you want to fix one thing, do you have to go to each individual Mm. cell? Because that seems impossible. How does that work? It's a great point because putting something in your body that turns off this gene or turns on this gene is not helpful when not all the cells, we don't want all the cells to have this gene turned on. Mm If you're trying to correct hemophilia and you want to get like these blood clotting genes to be turned on, well, I only want that to happen in my blood. I right. do not want these genes to get turned on in my stomach right. or my hair or what, yeah. you know. Um, and so that is part of it is targeted gene therapy is a thing, trying to target the exact location. Mm-hmm. Um, new forms of gene therapy where uh, you trying to combine it with new technology like CRISPR to find an exact part of your DNA in this exact region of cells that have this DNA Mm -hmm. turned on Mm -hmm. or off to like go in and exactly fix the right error. Um, so that we're not fixing the DNA so much with a mallet, but like more with like a precise, um, scissors or something. Okay. Okay. Um, but it's a it's a great point. It, for a long time, it's been just something we theorized because we didn't know the way to target it so that it wasn't just like, causing mayhem across your mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot there for future episodes. Yeah. But the cells or the DNA for all your genes is in every little cell in your body. And now that I, now that you say that I am thinking about like forensics mm-hmm. and of course that's true. Like now say that more. I think about yep. it, of course that's It's a that's great true. example. I didn't because even think about that. when you like find a hair with a root attached. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're like, well, shoot, this is a hair. So if only we had gotten like the real identifying. Yeah. DNA. All we had with this guy's blood. Yeah. And we have his hair. Yeah. Ugh, we'll never of match course, him. Of, I just did not think about it. But that's the great thing about misconceptions. Often we have never like quite put the Those last two together. things together. Mm-hmm. So nice job. Kevin. Thanks for going along that journey with yeah. me. Um, it's funny you were talking about like zygotes and things because my misconception also has to do with reproduction. Um, I'm going to tell the listeners yeah, because ahead. Margaret knows this about me. Sure. You know, for my birthday and stuff, I, I will... Wonder, where are you going with this? 
So for my birthday, often Margaret will say, what do you want for your birthday? Uh-huh. And I might say, like, I want a new hat. Uh-huh. And she's like, all right, often what kind of hat? Say, I want a new hat. And what kind of hat? And we'll pick out the exact hat. And it'll be like a month before my birthday. And you'll look at me and you'll go, you're not going to remember that I bought you this hat. <laughs> and I know myself now that I forget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to a week ago, mm-hmm. if not that, Margaret and I were talking about her misconception in the car. Have I will you inst- really forgotten it? I will instantly remember it when you, when you say it in like a second. That's why I had to say this now. But for the moment, I'm trying to think it's not coming immediately back to mind. Okay, that's great. I mean, it, wow. it will flood back yeah, 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 the yeah. moment you say it. But No, that's, that's really good. Because like we say, like we usually try to keep these like secret from each other. Um, was just that code word that I think we've mentioned before of like, mine's about toenails or whatever. And you're like, no, mine's about cats. So we should be fine. Um, but sometimes Kim and I will both like be listening to a podcast or like hear something and we'll look at each other knowing it's a good future misconception and we'll go like, nope, mine, mine. Yep. Yeah. We'll have to claim them. Um, so I think that's what happened. Turns out when you quarantine for three months together, (laughs) whatever you hear, the other one generally hears. Generally, generally. So, um, first I want to cite my sources. So, um, the National Center for the Biotechnology, for Biotechnology Information. Not coming back yet. The paper, In Search of Human Placentophagy. I immediately remember. A Cross-Cultural <laughs> Survey of Human Placenta Consumption, etc. by Young and Benny Sheck. Um, Placentophagy Among Women Planning Community Births in the U.S. by Benny Sheck, Cheney Brown, and Bob Bjerg. The research paper, Placenta, Worth Trying? Question mark. Um, possible Benefit and Potential Risks by Johnson, Patuchek, Rodell, Markert, and Groton. Sorry, only three more. Wow, this is really running in my brain. Uh, Have you read one or ten resource or citations? I've read quite a few. Oh, you mean out loud? Like yeah. Four. Um, the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the article, Human Placentophagy, a review by Far Chevenak. McCullough, Bergen, and Grunbaum, and um, let me two teach more. you at L. Two more, two more, two more. I want. I just find it important to give them credit. Um, a great article by Dr. Jen Gunter, an obstetrician and gynecologist, in the New York Times called "Thank You for Not Eating Your Placenta." Um, and then on MayoClinic.org, Dr. Mary Marnack's answer to the question: "Is it safe to eat my placenta?" So you might be getting a sense of what my misconception Margaret is. does not bury the lead. <laughs> so my misconception is that a mother eating her placenta, her baby's placenta, is a good idea from a health standpoint. Where I first heard about this, about the idea of eating your own placenta, at least the first time I remember it, was in college when I was in a play a one act by David Lindsay, a bear called baby food, um, in which I played a, a new mom and me and my husband were trying to convince these two other people to be our baby's godparents. And we tried to convince them by putting unbeknownst to them, putting placenta into lasagna. Mm. Um, and I thought like, there's no, there's no people don't eat the placenta. And then I did some research and lo and behold, they sure do. They sure do. Um, in that case, it wasn't, the placenta wasn't used so much for the benefit of the mother, but as a way to form emotional attachment. Um, I'll admit it. At first I was pretty grossed out by the idea of eating a placenta. Then I kind of reached this phase where I was like, oh, you know, if the research supports it, you know, 
I could possibly be sort of, I could look into You're that. You're more open to it. I was more open to it. Yeah. Um, but then I did some more research and I found I'm not into it anymore. So I want to be clear. The reason that it may not be a good idea to ingest a person's placenta is not because it's gross. It's because it could potentially harm the mother, the baby, or both. So it's not about, it's not about being gross. And the um, misconception isn't, do people do it? Yeah. They absolutely do. They do. But it's, it, is it... Should you, is it healthy for because you? Because that's what I've heard right. is that, and I'm sure the reason people do this is like, this is healthy for you or, or and or your child. Yes, correct. So a word but, I'm going to be using a lot is placentophagy. Camden, what do you think that means? Like a phage means like to eat something. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, so the practice, you'll let everyone else put the rest of that together. Practice of eating a placenta. So the claims that this misconception makes are that placentophagy increases the ability of the mother to breastfeed, it improves the mother's mood, and that it can help with pain and exhaustion, possibly helping to reduce bleeding associated with birth. Um, when when people talk about eating placenta, they, they cite the fact that a lot of mammals, over 4,000 mammal species, eat their own placentas, including apes and non-human primates. So Which is... Relatives. True. Yeah, that yes. that is true. Okay. That is true. So, but they say like they eat their placentas. Mm-hmm. Why can't we eat our placentas? Um, there's also a claim that this practice has been around for centuries all over the world. And while there are lots of cultural customs that involve a placenta, like burying it, etc., it doesn't look. There's not a lot of evidence that this practice has been going on for a long time. Um, the first reports of it happening in medical literature pop up in 1973. So very recent. Um, there also isn't any evidence really that cultures anywhere in the world practiced or practice maternal placentophagy. The biggest reason people give for this practice, do you know what it is? I haven't said it I, yet. So to break the biology down, yeah, I think yeah, this ahead. maybe is what you're getting at is that the placenta is, provides nutrients mm-hmm. to a baby yeah. and a fetus mm-hmm. as it's developing in the womb. Yeah. I think the logic, the logical train is if this thing supplied nutrients for my baby, mm-hmm. it must be packed full of nutrients that I should eat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the, that's the misconception. So one of those things that those nutrients are supposed to help with is postpartum depression, which is, it's not just anxiety or depression when your baby's born. It's like a prolonged debilitating, um, occurrence that is it really impacts your ability to take yeah. care of yourself and your your family um but that's supposed to be the biggest reason that people eat their own placentas in um a paper placentophagy among women planning community births in the united states 73 percent of the women surveyed that ingested their placentas did so because they wanted to avoid postpartum depression and we'll talk more oh, about that in a what second. percent 73 wow um so what's a placenta you alluded to it um, I love this quote. It kind of perfectly summed everything up. Dr. Mary Marnack said, the placenta is, quote, an intricate organ that nourishes the growing fetus by exchanging nutrients and oxygen and filtering waste products via the umbilical cord. That's the placenta. Um, it used to be, all the way back in the 70s, centuries ago, um, that people most, if they were going to eat the, pl- the placenta, they, like, cooked it or ate it raw, 
um, which sometimes people still do. In just a quick Google search, I found recipes for placenta smoothies, chili, lasagna, tacos. Um, but now most people who consume it will have it put in pill form. So it gets steamed, dehydrated, ground up, and then put in capsules. Sounds by like a company. By a like company. Yeah, I don't people know if people like, do it themselves. I don't sure. think people do it themselves. Yes, by a company. And it can be expensive, like 200 to $400 to per put. Per placenta. I mean, yes. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that's, I mean, that's not nothing. Yeah. No. It's not nothing. $200 is not nothing. So here are the three main reasons that eating your own placenta may not be good for you. One, there's not enough research about it. Two, the placenta can contain harmful things, a variety of things. Three, there is no regulation when it comes to preparing the placenta to be in a pill form, which is, again, how most people ingest it nowadays. So talk about the first one, or talk about the second one, I guess. You mentioned, you know, like the placenta filters the nutrients, it mm-hmm. filters out waste, but that that placenta, kind of like an oyster, can hold on to some of those bad things. Um, Prevent the things it didn't want your baby to get, but it but holds on to it. it yeah. You might get them. Yeah. So lead, arsenic, and mercury have been found in placentas, though it's not clear how much would be required to harm someone when they right. eat it. Um, like how doctors recommend when you're pregnant. Like, there is no healthy amount, like, there's no recommended amount of alcohol or, like, mercury. Right. Like, when they say, like, don't eat shellfish, don't, like, it's just, like, don't, because we have no, like, limit that we have found yeah. to be good. Yeah. Be, be real careful. Um, placentas also have a lot of bacteria in them. And as we know, bacteria can be good or bad, but placentas can hold on to a lot of that bad bacteria. It can cause disease. Um Eating a placenta after getting a general anesthetic, like an epidural, Mm. can be bad because there really hasn't been a chance to flush out any of that. Gotcha. And you could be eating that, which is not good for you in that form. Um, About the nutrients, yes, there is some iron in the placenta, but not a significant amount. Nothing that would like cure anemia or anything like that. There are hormones in a placenta, of course, but those hormones could possibly decrease milk supply instead of increasing it mm. and could possibly increase the risk of blood clots too. Interesting. Cause I thought I had heard when we were first looking at it before you told me to stop looking at it <laughs> was that it did potentially help with milk, but you're saying it does. There's there, some, again, like you said, there's not enough research, yeah, that's but it's inconclusive thing. enough that it could not only not increase milk, but mm-hmm. like decrease milk. Production. And it depends of course on who you are and right, like right. what levels of, milk production you have so it's it can it's, be different for different people but yeah you've you've hit on the main theme which is like we just don't know enough um this makes me think you mentioned like the placenta is to filter out waste and things that the fetus shouldn't have mm-hmm. which makes me think back to another podcast we love um i think it's ross and carrie where they do this mm-hmm. where some people think drinking your urine oh, yes. is a good idea. Orin therapy, if you will. Oh. And Let me think of the other one. Uh, shum- sh- it's not... No, I'll think of it. Anyway, anyway there's, lots of, there's lots of names. The whole idea, but like this is a waste product. Shabambu is the other way. Great, to thank say. you. Okay, sorry. <laughs> people were screaming into their car radios, which I think is 99% of the way people listen to this Shibambu podcast. Shabambu is another word for um, urine. 
the whole point being like it's a waste product. Yeah, you get rid of it for a drink reason. it. And the same thing like the placenta Mm-hmm. didn't give this to your baby potentially for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm anthropomorphizing the placenta. It does not have a brain. It's not like, oh, give it this. Don't give it that. Yeah, right. But it is filtering things out mm-hmm. for a reason. Mm-hmm. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. And I people felt... could argue that like the mammal, but we'll get into why mammals great. are different. That's a great point. Other mammals. Yeah. So going back to the bacteria... Um, there's a chance, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, that a mother could ingest the placenta in pill form, and that pill could contain harmful bacteria. She could then breastfeed her baby and give that baby those harmful bacteria. And I say that there's a chance because it has happened. Um, the CDC found a case of neonatal sepsis mm. that was connected to the mother ingesting placenta capsules that have been contaminated in some way with streptococcus bacteria. Neonatal sepsis is a blood infection in newborns that um, happens, I believe, when they're less than a month old, and it can have some really, really bad consequences. So the CDC, their official position is they warn against taking placental capsules. Um we are in a time period where the CDC has a lot to say about what we do, and I am not about to stop listening to them now. Yes. Um, a lot trust, of good advice. If you trust most medicine you get, the mm-hmm. CDC had a say in mm-hmm. whether you should have it or not, and the FDA. So, like, we shouldn't just start ignoring all of those things. Yes. Speaking of the FDA, there are currently no FDA requirements, standards, even outside of the FDA. There's no standards to adhere to when you're encapsulating a placenta. So those companies that do it, they, they really don't have any guidelines or oversight. Um, preparing the placenta and putting it in pills, it doesn't get rid of any of those harmful bacteria or viruses. So that's, that's a dangerous thing. Um, and then the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology put it pretty simply. They said, quote, physicians should discourage this practice, as in the practice of eating your placenta. Um, Anecdotal evidence paired with a non-regulated encapsulation process is a really dangerous mix. Um, there's just not enough data out there to know if placenta phagy is safe, let alone beneficial. So until there's more, I would really, really suggest that people don't do that. Of course, the caveat, I am not a mother. I'm not a doctor. Talk to your doctor. Um, so what about other mammals? Other mammals eat their placentas? Yeah. Why can't I? Yeah. They scream. Cameron screams. Yeah. Um, human placentas and the placentas of other mammals are really, really different. Oh. Because we do things different. We do different things with them. They're used in different ways. They have totally different Name one way we're different functions. than a dolphin. Wow. Um. <laughs> exactly. Stumped her. You're welcome, <laughs> listener. Well, for example, some mammals have evolved to have really large litters of offspring that need sure. to their their uteruses have to like have to provide for like twenty different little organisms. Oof. Um, some mammals have really obvious signs that they're in estrus, which is in heat. Um, some mammals, those that have those estrus cycles rather than the menstrual cycles, instead of shedding the uterine lining, you know how when your yeah. body's like, well, not yours. Not but my body, but yes. When a person's body is preparing to uterus, yes. yeah, have a baby or th- like during that cycle, the uterine lining becomes thicker. They want to make it easier for that egg to embed. Um, some, 
some uh, mammals just re- reabsorb that oh. lining instead of shedding it like humans do with the menstrual cycle. Um, the fact that other mammals do something doesn't mean we should do it. There's a lot of things that mammals do that we should not do. For example, eating your own babies. A lot of mammals do that. Really strongly would advise against that. Not only would we advise it, there's a lot of laws there's, that would there's many, heavily there's encourage many, you many laws. Yeah. to de-incentivize yes. such a thing. Yes. But here's the thing about this is people will turn to alternative medicines or like poorly supported medicines or treatments when they're very scared of some sort of illness, something like that. And again, I'm not a mother. I don't know from my experience, but I know from others' experience that postpartum depression can be really, really, really scary and make you feel really lonely and really strange. Um, The whole time period is you know, your whole life has changed. So I, I get that you want answers. Mm -hmm. I completely understand that. Um, but there are much better approaches available to address those postpartum challenges. The biggest thing to do, talk to your doctor about evidence-backed treatments for postpartum issues. And they will tell you that you are not alone in these feelings. Um, they might talk to you about other things like home visits from specialists, medications, other approaches. There's also a lot of support online, like um, postpartum.net. That's through the Postpartum Support International Group. They can help you find local resources. You can also call their hotline at 1-800-944-4773. You can text them at 503-894-9453. And then whether you're a parent or not, we all can advocate for much more um, comprehensive parental leave so that parents and caregivers have that time with their new baby to connect with them, to take the time they need um, to adjust to those changes in their lives. So Mary Beth Ferrante in Forbes has a really good article about this titled in the fight for paid parental leave, six months should be the minimum. So I think that's something that we can all do on a, on a bigger scale. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Margaret. You're welcome. That definitely got a lot more fleshed out since the last time I remembered sitting mm-hmm. in a car learning about eating placentas. Yep. Yep. So speaking of consuming... Um, we end the episode with something that we have consumed, read, listened to, watched, somehow taken in, um, this week. Camden, what's yours? So, listeners of, uh, episode 36 knew that, uh, it's been a hard week for a lot of people. Um, there's just a lot in flux in our world. There's, um, a fight for racial equality that has always been ongoing is certainly, ticked up recently as far as like national awareness mm-hmm. and international awareness. Um, Margaret and I are going to keep trying throughout our episodes to share ways that you can resources, tools, resources, tools that you can use to stay active. Um, but we're also going to share, continue sharing the things that we've consumed that might be related to that sometimes may not be. Um, one of which has just brought us a lot of levity mm-hmm. um, in this time is a podcast that probably a lot of people 
yeah, besides us listen to. I feel like we're late to the party. On we this are. One. Uh, is Imbim Bam, or for those who do not know, the acronym for my brother, my brother, and me. Mm-hmm. Um, Margaret, why do you like my brother? Or do you want to explain what it is first? So it's a podcast with three brothers um, who kind of have a podcast kingdom at this point, yeah. the McElroys. We've mentioned, like, I think Sawbones in the past. Um, that's not a Oh, one no, Ross and Carrie. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie. They are not directly Oh, but they're in the but network. they're in the same network, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, it's an advice show for the modern era um, <laughs> where the brothers get questions from listeners and sometimes they'll go to Yahoo Answers mm-hmm. and they'll give advice. Um, it's And it's just it's just really funny. Sometimes it gets really serious and, and yeah. sometimes it stays pretty funny. So it's a, it's a good it, mix. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, and it's also fun. Like it's fun during quarantine to mm-hmm. sometimes Margaret and I will stop it. And like just the other day they talked about the correct way to eat corn, like corn <sighs> on the cob. And Margaret so and I stopped it and we both said it. All right, which way do you eat corn? And it spurred a debate. Um, that you are wrong. I don't know if you want to... Do you want the listeners to weigh in on this? I just eat it like... How do I... I don't... Camden eats corn like... A typewriter, they called it. Like a typewriter. Yeah, like you're just like going along a line. Whereas and then turn I eat it like a... Um, Rotisserie. Yeah, like I turn it and eat it at the same time. And then move left to right. Yeah, and then once I've finished that segment, I'll move on. Whereas I move left to right and then turn it. Mm-hmm. You turn it all the way around, then move left to Kevin right. Kevin keeps saying like, well, you're wasting so much energy in turning it all the time. And I made the point that, what do I have? Like, I'm just enjoying corn. Am I in a rush? You can't eat corn on the cob in a rush. Listeners, please write in to <laughs> don't pee on your leg at gmail.com and just tell Margaret how wrong she is. No, tell me how right but I you am. You can find out other fun things like that at my on the podcast, My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Did you have another um, um, thing you were consuming, Margaret, you mentioned this or alluded to this earlier. Um, ways to stay informed uh, in ongoing movement for black lives and racial equality um, Google is really, really, really your friend. Um, it's important, uh, to know the national, um, demands and policies, but also local ones. Uh, if mm-hmm. you Google black lives matter, Kansas city, Seattle, Portland, wherever, little rock, little rock you, you will see so many resources. Mm-hmm. You will find, uh, on social media, tons of resources through social media pages, um, there are ways to find out what people are asking for, uh, demanding, and it doesn't involve you burdening um, other black people. Like it, it's also good for you to learn that there is a lot of information out there for you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to sort of sit and just hope others will tell it to you. And I, I hope you don't. Like everyone's in a different place on their journey, but I've seen some people like. Yesterday, I saw some people saying like, oh, I just, I wish I knew what to do. And at this point, it's like, there's no excuse. You do know what to do. Like you, you have not done anything if you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I would totally say like. And what you do, there's a wide swath of what you can do. Depending on a lot of different factors. And then something I've been consuming that has been helping me to consume food is um, the... Website intentionalist.com. Again, that's intentionalist.com. And it's a great resource for um, supporting and finding 
restaurants, businesses owned by um, people from minority communities. And so Kim and I have been utilizing that resource when we get takeout, Mm -hmm. when we need to buy something that we can buy in person. Um, So it's got like everything from like coffee to clothing, everything. um, All sorts of businesses. All sorts of businesses. And then you can put in your city and it'll give you a map of where that is. Now, it's not in every city yet. It's not in a lot of cities. But you should go to the website, see if your city's on there, um, and hopefully it will be in more cities soon. So it's intentionalist.com. Thank you so much for listening today. If you liked this episode or any others, please rate and leave us a quick review. Written reviews help new listeners decide if they want to give this podcast a try. Please help us and new listeners out by leaving a quick positive review. Our podcast analytics, uh, don't tell us names, so don't worry. Names of listeners. Names of listeners, don't worry, you are safe. Uh, (laughs) Your privacy is safe. Um, But they do tell us general locations of where people are listening in from, which I thought was really cool. I discovered it the other day. Um, So our top, wanted to give those folks a shout out. Um, Our top listeners of the last episode came from folks in... Perryville, Missouri. Bartlesville, Oklahoma. Canal Winchester, Ohio. Elk Ridge, Maryland. St. Louis, Missouri. San Francisco, California. Overland Park, Kansas. Seattle, Washington. <laughs> to Macula, California. Good. I maybe. I'm so sorry <laughs> I'm if so that's sorry. where you're listening from. Temecula? Watkinsville, Georgia. <laughs> and thanks to other listeners from Texas, Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, New York, Massachusetts, Ontario, Tennessee, Illinois, the UK, and Ireland. And Nebraska. Did I skip Nebraska? You said Nevada. Oh. It's fine. I mean, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) But you could be the first from Nevada. You could. You listener. I don't know how that works. Sorry, Nebraska. If you're listening, then I'll say your state next time. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. We're excited to have you. You can hear more content like this podcast from our sister wife podcast, which I host, called From U to O, also available wherever podcasts are found. Don't be on your leg and other scientific misconceptions as a podcast produced by Two Burns, One Scone. Articles, blog posts, and more about what you can do every day to conserve our environment can be found at www.twobirdsonescone.org. Original theme music by Camillo. If you have scientific misconceptions that you'd like explained, or you want to provide feedback to us, like how you eat corn on the cob, email us at don'tpeeonyourleg at gmail.com. Have Have a a great great week. week!